thank God that we can worship Him and that He's a good God, that we can worship Him through song as well. You know, so many times we think that worship is only singing. Worship is more than just singing. Worship is, to me, worship is just being part of what God has done, to be a servant of God. And that, in that sense, a New Testament servant is somebody that obeys Him. And obedience in the New Testament is simply belief on what He has done for us. Now, today we're going to talk a little bit about <coughs> hunger, um, hungering and thirsting for God. And um, I would also, before I get into that, touch a little bit on the glory of God. Now, for those of you uh, that would like to be part of our mailing list, from Monday I will be sending um, like a day piece every day, you know, just to everybody. Uh, I've been doing that now for a week or two on uh, Facebook. So if you want to be um, on that mailing list, you are more than welcome to email us at info at dynamicministries.com and just say, put me on your mailing list, and uh, we will do that. If you want to become a friend on uh, Facebook, you're more than welcome to search Berti Brits and become a friend. I also send it through through Facebook or gracerevolution.com. You can go to Grace Revolution, just search for Grace Revolution. There's a, um, a blog. I also publish that very same piece over there so yeah and that's awesome just to communicate and to see I would advise you guys to get onto these different different blogs of, uh, uh, Voice of Grace um, you can also get onto it will really touch your life <coughs> right and now so many times and I've also put on the blog we think of the glory of God as something that's apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus himself is the very express image of God. Jesus is that full manifestation of the glory of God. The Bible says in John 1 verse 17, And we beheld His glory, filled with grace and truth. And then it goes on in John, it says that through Him came grace and truth, uh, 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 with Jesus Christ through Him came grace and truth, and then through Moses was the law. Now, grace and truth came through Jesus. Now, many times we ask, what is truth? My definition of truth is uh, no consciousness of sin, but a consciousness of Jesus Christ connected to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, but I heard a very interesting definition as well, where it says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And what it literally says is grace came through Jesus. And when grace came through Jesus, that's when truth came. Because grace is the very truth about who you are in Christ is the very truth about how God created man. We're going to study that in depth today from uh, Genesis 2 verse 7. And man, that is just exactly what it is. The grace of God is the truth about man. The grace of God is the truth about who God is. And the law is the lie about who you are. Now that sounds very radical, but in the law you can't see uh, who you are in Christ. In the law you can't see who God is. Um, it, it, it seems as if God is as God only of judgment and hatred and a God of uh, uh, division and all that, but He's not that. Now, I don't want to get very deep into that, but so many times we think that the glory is something else. Now, we do believe in the manifestation of the power of God, and I also believe that is the glorious manifestation of the power of God. Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and He was glorified in that sense, and you, I mean, he, he, he looked as like a bright light that was shining, and um, the glory of God is, was also in the Old Testament called the fire of God, 
in Acts chapter 2, that very same fire which represents the glory of God came upon man. And the Son of Righteousness, the S-U-N, will arise with healing inside His, his glory. So, uh, know this one, one thing, that the glory of God, the goodness of God, the fire of God, consumes sickness, consumes poverty, consumes depression, consumes all those type of things, and that that is a manifestation of the glory of God. But that manifestation finds its origin in the greatest manifestation or the foundation of it all, which is Jesus. So many times we try to chase an experience outside the revelation of what Christ has brought. You know, um, Paul, if you look at his life, what sustained him was the revelation of what Christ has done in him. We don't see Paul speaking about having experiences. Now, Please listen to me. I'm not against this. I'm not an against preacher. I'm not against what I'm going to uh, mention now. I'm against, if there's anything that I'm against is, if you want to substitute the, the, the revelation of grace for just mere experiences. I've experienced this, the things that I'm going to mention right now. I've experienced in my own life and it's wonderful and I've received prophetic word and all those type of things. But that could not sustain me. You know, so many times people chase after experiences like falling over under the power of God, laughter, rolling on the ground, manifestations of gold dust and oil and, and all those type of things, which is all of God. I mean, somebody can't make with just his willpower gold dust fall on him. You know, it's impossible. Um, you know, so uh, <laughs> I don't know what type of mind a person needs to try and get that out of willpower. So, uh, and there are people that fall because of, of courtesy to the pastor. And then there are people, you know, <laughs> that, that really get touched by the power of God and they go down under the power of God. That's just amazing. And there's examples of that in the Bible. Jesus said, um, I am uh, Jesus. And when he said that, uh, the, 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 not the disciples, the guards that wanted to catch him fell over. Now, that wasn't a tradition that whenever you want to take somebody captive, you first fall down on the ground, then you stand up and take him, take him captive. No, it was the power of God that manifested and they fell down backwards, you know, under the power. So, there is something like the supernatural that manifests. There is something like signs, wonders and miracles. And I am for that and I believe that it is supposed to accompany the word of God confirming the word, you know, with signs, wonders and miracles. That's exactly what happened in the book of Acts. That's exactly what happens in my ministry and many other ministries around the world. But if your satisfaction comes from the manifestation of miracles or laughter or all those type of things and that is what you chase after and you feel so much more spiritual because of those things manifesting in your life my friend I want to tell you that there's something better than what you part of the, what sustained Paul what made him preach the gospel he didn't say well I had a powerful touch from heaven and I fell under the power and now I feel I want to go and preach the gospel he said the revelation that one died therefore all are dead and is called the love of God and that love of God is what compels him to do what he does. So, Paul, whatever he did, he did out of a revelation, an understanding. And we're going to see uh, today, <coughs> excuse me, how God created man. 
in what form he created man uh, how he created man to function you know so many times we don't know how God made man to function on what foundation and what, and what basis so God made man to function in a certain way we're going to have a look at that so if you experience the, the gold dust and all those type of things those are signs and wonders from heaven that speaks of a certain thing it's, a, it's, it's almost like types and shadows it's a sign of something that is not the real thing the gold dust that falls is not the glory of God the glory of God is, is found in the face of Jesus Christ the Bible says so if you want to see the true glory of God the Bible says when we behold the, uh, uh, the glory of God as in a mirror the glory of God is the perfect law of no obligation or the law of liberty that is the glorious manifestation of God. God manifesting who He is today. Like I said, you know, on, on the blog there I wrote, I said, um, you know, Moses stood in the fire. Moses was on a mountain shaking in the physical, I mean, the Shekinah glory of God. He was in the cloud. Today if we can have a cloud on a building somewhere or in a, in a church, they, they will write in the newspapers, church people will flog there by the millions. Um, but listen, listen to this. Moses was in that cloud, the earth shaking, the very earth shaking under his feet. To the point today that you can still go to that mountain, you find the rocks as burnt black. With that fire that was there, it was a physical fire manifesting. And Moses stood in that fire and he said, God, show me your glory. Because he didn't acknowledge that as the very glory of God he saw that was the likeness or the image of the glory of God but the glory of God was something different then God said the next day to him let me show you my goodness and then he said if you want to see my real glory this is my real glory it is uh, I will explain my name because the very character and the being of God is the glory of God he is so good that he burns. So let's not be taken up with the fire, but let's be taken up with the goodness that manifests as fire. It's like I said on the blog there as well. You know, I find people come to the crusade, they see the sound system. They're so taken up with the sound system that they don't hear what I say through that sound system. It's the same thing, you know. People are so caught up with the fire and the cloud and the gold dust and the oil and the, um, the phenomena of seeing the supernatural manifest that, that they move par, completely past the very word that is spoken which is the glory of God manifested in the beginning was the word and that word it was the thought pattern of God was made flesh and dwelt among us and then we beheld the view and opinion concerning God's thought pattern we start to see the thought patterns of God revealed in human flesh and that was the gospel of no obligation where we are completely liberated in Christ. Amen. Now, Bertie, you might say, um, you know, what about, you know, all, the, all these manifestations? Is God against that? No, God's God doing that. But when it happens, ask God, what do you want to say to me? And then when God speaks to you, listen to what He says, and then out of His Word, you will find life. The Bible says we are not born of 
miracles. We are born of the incorruptible seed, the very word of God. Hallelujah. So, we, we're not chasing after those things. If those things happen, wonderful. And I will even in a service or in a meeting give opportunity, you know, where I can, where I will say, Holy Spirit, I mean, not just sometimes. We want to see that all the time. But, um, you, we're not going to have meetings where the focus is just just about that. You know, I've seen, uh, I've been to a meeting before where I see the people that are so excited, you know, to go to the meeting that they tolerate the preaching because they want to roll on the carpet. Man, you can roll on the carpet at home. You know, you don't have to sit through a meeting and spend a lot of money to go to a meeting. Just go there, say thank you, Lord, for your spirit, and start rolling. You know, that you can do that. You can have it at home. You don't have to go someplace. You know, so, but the reason why we go to meetings, that's why I go, you know, is to hear what somebody says. That's what it's all about. The highest form of communicating the gospel is through preaching. And let me just show you that quickly. Um, the way God has chosen that is above all things uh, in, in, in communication is in Romans chapter 10. Uh, now, before, before I read that, um, I, I want to say, listen to this. Science, wonders and miracles confirms the Word. And what is the Word? The Word is the Word, the glorious Gospel. That's what it's called, the glorious Gospel. So, that Word brings a glory that, that cannot be ex explained. Now, for you to see, when you look into the law of liberty, you are beholding into greater glory than what just what Moses saw. <clears throat> we today in the New Testament see the glory that came out of the cloud. You know, Moses saw the cloud and the fire. But inside the cloud and fire was something higher and better than the cloud and the fire in which it is contained. The cloud and the fire was just the, 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 uh, the wrapping, if you want to call it like that. But then God came from heaven out of that glory into human flesh so that He was naked, if you want to call it like that, that we could see Him for who He truly is. Amen. And He will also come back in the very same way and people will see Him for who He truly is. So we are not taken up with the wrapping. We, today, when you look at Jesus, when you look at the... At, at, at the, the gospel plan, that is the source of glory, the source, the, the, the highest glory, the most excellent glory that is manifested in terms in which we can understand it and see it. And that was a man obeyed on behalf of us all, died on behalf of us all, was resurrected for us all, so that whosoever believe and acknowledge that sacrifice can have the life of the glorious Spirit of God's grace. Amen. Right. So, um, uh, uh, let's get to Romans 10 quickly. The highest form of communicating the Gospel. Now, the highest form of the communicating the Gospel is, uh, I mean, God chose to write it down in a book. You know, <laughs> if we, imagine we could have had video cameras in the time of the resurrection of Jesus. And we could have captured that on video and show it to people, you know, all over the world today. Don't you think that would have been a better way 
that God could have just postponed the thing or, or brought technology to, the, to an earlier age so that it could be captured because if that was the better way I tell you God would have done that but the better way is simply hearing and believing because blessed is he that believes without seeing Amen because you are, you are functioning out of the way God made you so by seeing those things that was not God's highest and best way he thought of just writing it down in a book giving the Holy Spirit, interpreting these things, preaching the gospel. Right. It says in verse um, verse 8, it says, but what, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on his name shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then it says, listen to this. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without miracles? Now that's not what it says. How shall they hear without dripping oil? Or how shall they, yeah, I mean, no, no. How shall they hear without a preacher? Without a preacher. What is a preacher? The word preacher there means to herald aloud. That literally speaks of what I'm doing right now. How will people hear without somebody explaining the gospel in words? It, it is impossible. That's what he says. It's impossible. And what it determines, I mean, preaching is basically determining the salvation of people if they will be able to believe and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So preaching is a very, very important, the explanation of the Word of God. You know, I spoke to people that said, you know, they have been, they've advanced so much in the grace of God that it's, not a, it's just all imparting. So they don't preach anymore. This guy said it to me. They don't preach anymore. They just have glory meetings. Rubbish. Rubbish. You waste your time. You're becoming part of a sect, my brother. Get rid of that. That is not the gospel. And I wrote today, uh, yesterday in, in that letter, and I, I would like you guys to read that newsletter when it's published. The time of trying to argue between what's law and what's grace is over. The, the grace of God has been defined and we are preaching that now. Amen. That's what we do. And we're not here to, to try and candy coat the thing and say it in such a soft way that you don't even know what we're saying because we're so scared that you're going to be upset. We don't want to upset people. We don't want people to be offended. But we want people to be part of this glorious gospel that sets people free. And this guy says, you know, they just lay hands and they roll and laugh and, and, and the power of God's in the place and then people stand up out of that glory understanding the whole Bible and the glorious gospel. It's lies. It's not true. 
It doesn't work that way. I do believe that God can, can come supernaturally for those who call upon His name that has heard of the gospel somehow, be it either through a dream or be it through God talking to the hearts of people. But let me tell you something. The best way of sharing the gospel is through preaching. If it was just through dreams and visions and the supernatural and all those type of things, God wouldn't have given preachers to go and preach the gospel. God will work in the heart of Paul and give him a dream where a man of Macedonia stands and calls him so that he can come to Macedonia to do what? To preach the gospel. Why didn't God just give a dream to the guy in, the, in Macedonia? Because the best way of communicating is through hearing. And when you hear, understanding comes. You ponder and think about it. And, and you get persuaded. And you believe it. And you speak it. And you experience your salvation. This thing of just, you know, we're getting away from, the glory, from, from preaching the gospel. To a place where the supernatural and the manifestation of, of the Spirit... Uh, 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 that's the real thing now. That's nonsense. That is not the way it was intended. I tell you now, I am very sure, you know, as what I'm sure, uh, that there was many meetings when we saw in the life of Paul and those people where we saw great signs, wonders and miracles happen, that there was just as much ministry without any miracles. Paul preached in his letters. When he preached to Timothy, do you think some miracle happened there now? When he would sit down and just talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one and share the gospel, do you think there was always, every time, all the time, miracles? Just listen to the witness in your heart. There was not every time, all the time, miracles. You know, so let me tell you something. It's a lie of the devil that says if we preach today and we don't see all these flames of fire falling from the sky that we are not having the true thing. That's a lie from Satan. The truth is contained in the face of Jesus Christ. And it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 If we be, look into the glory of God that is not into miracles, signs and wonders. When we look into the glory of God explained in 2 Corinthians 3 which is the ministry of the Spirit not speaking of uh, 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 signs, wonders and miracles what it talks about when it talks about the ministry of the Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 it talks about the ministry that says we are not justified by our works because it says that there was a glory on the law message but there's a higher glory on the grace message so the, let me tell you something the most glory, the, the glorious thing that you can ever experience concerning the manifestation of glory is you hearing this word and experiencing inside your spirit the witness that says, Amen, this is the truth. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> we are not going to substitute and become, that is, that, it's just so wrong. It's like substance abuse. You know, when you go and use alcohol to meet the need, in the same way, there's a lack of revelation on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And now we say, well, I can't go without seeing one or two miracles. And if I don't see a miracle, that means that I am worse off than somebody that sees a miracle. And I, I believe that I've got some authority outside simply the gospel to say this, because in my life we've seen many miracles.
we've, we've got miracles on the website. We've, we believe in We've got the healing school there. We've got explanation on how to see the glory of God manifest. You know, we pray for the sick. We've, we, we've been in Hermanus now in a crusade. They prayed for the sick. Lots of people got healed. So we're not against this. But that is not the big thing, man. That is just a sign of the truth. Now we get so caught up with this that we make that our goal. A miracle is not the goal. It's a confirmation of the truth so that you can believe and experience that truth for yourself and that's the goal. That you can experience salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. So, people, let's not... um, you know, fall into the trap of Satan where we supernaturally start to hunger and thirst for miracles, um, you know, and, 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 and fire falling from the sky and all those type of things. You know, a, a fire can be seen by human efforts, man. Take wood, make a fire. The fire of God saw that Moses saw when the bush was burning. It just looked like a normal fire. But what was funny about the fire was that the bush didn't burn out. So when you see that fire, you see a normal fire looks just the same. Do you want to see how the fire of God looks? Just make a fire. Then you've seen. Now, but I want to see that supernatural one. Why? Now, because that's going to make you feel special. No, no. What will get you to feel loved and special is a revelation according to 1 John chapter 4 that says, Herein is love that He gave His Son that we might live through His Son. So when you understand the practicalities of how we live through His Son and you start to take part in the abundance of of the extravagant love of God where He was willing to obey on your behalf, die on your behalf, and be resurrected on your behalf so that you can have the very being of God as a gift. When you start to see that, then only will you experience what it is to be truly loved. That other feeling you get is just the excitement of phenomena. That's all it is. And we're not going to be caught up with that. Amen. You know, Satan always want to pervert what God does it's beautiful to see somebody that cannot see like when, I, when we were in Canada I prayed for a lady she could not see out of one eye and very bad eyesight in the other eye and God completely healed her right there I tell you it is awesome but you know what when I, when I see that when she says oh I can see I can see you know what that's glorious it's wonderful but it cannot be compared to the joy that I saw in her when we sat at the Tim Hortons and we ate together and she, she, she spoke of the glorious gospel and who she is in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And we're gonna, today we're going to preach a little bit typology. I'm in the mood for that. Amen. Oh, man. Right. Genesis 2. We're going to talk about how God made man and then from here we're going to take it over into, um, you know, hungering. Because hungering is a very uh, um, dangerous thing. 
It's very dangerous to hunger after God. Now, if you're under the law and you hunger, it's not dangerous. Because what you're actually saying is, what I have is not the real thing and it cannot satisfy me. You can be presented with the gospel of grace and then your hunger can be stilled. But, if you are under grace and you hunger, oh my friend, <laughs> you, um, you're on very dangerous ground. Right, and we're going to explain that. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now, when God made man, if you read here, um, if you read just before that, he says that God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. Now, <clears throat> I went last night and I studied these things, I started yesterday afternoon. The word image um, literally means a shape or a form of something that is empty. It also speaks of a false god. So, God made man. Now you might say, Matthew, what, how can, what does this mean? Listen. God made man in his image. So if you've got the image of God, you have got the outward form of God. So in other words, you've got the shape of God. But that does not mean that you're in the likeness of God or just like God. It just means you've got the form of God. It's like, a, 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 you know, these Easter bunnies, those chocolate ones. It's got the form of the bunny. And it's chocolate coated. It looks wonderful, but the thing is empty. And image is, is, is used a lot in the Bible where it says, you shall not bring any false image or, or a, a craven image of other gods or of God before God. Now, um, God came and He made man from the dust of the earth. So here He made man from the dust of the earth and then He had the very image of God. But He was dead. But He had the image of God. Because we must remember that man never lost the image of God in the fall of Adam. And we can read that quickly. And let's go there then we're going to jump back. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. It says, Whoso, whoso sheds man's blood, by, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So God made man in the image of God. And here in Genesis chapter 9, if somebody would kill somebody else, he will die. Why? Because God made man in his image. And man was still containing the very image of God. So, um, we must not think that we've never lost the likeness of God. Man lost something great. And we're going to talk about what the likeness of God is. Now, um, the likeness of God is the Greek word, or the Hebrew word, to be equal in quantity, quality, and degree. So, here God made man in his image, and then he made him as well, he put something inside him that gave him the same quantity, quality, and degree as what God has. Now, what happened? What did man lose? Man didn't lose nothing in the fall of Adam. We know that he still maintained uh, uh, the, the very image. But he lost his likeness. The first time likeness is mentioned again and connected to man is in 
Romans chapter 6 where it says don't you know that we will be in the likeness of his resurrection but we've had the image all the time but not the likeness of God we've lost when Adam sinned he lost the, the, the quantity of God the quality of God and the very degree of God he lost that the likeness of God um, can also be seen as the, the, the influence of the person of God the influence that was inside man because of who God is how was man made? Genesis 2 verse 7 let's read this and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground that's what I believe he made him in his likeness he formed him from the dust now that word dust uh, we're going to just take it here a little bit like I said typology um, it's three Hebrew characters it's ayin peresh. Ayin means to understand. Pe means to speak. And resh means to meditate. So God made man. Gave him the ability to understand, to speak and to meditate. So he formed him. The way man is formed by God is if we have got the likeness of God, we've got the ability to, uh, uh, yeah, the likeness to are the image of God. The image of God is to understand, to speak and to meditate. Because that's what God can do. God can understand, speak and meditate. A man that is in his fallen state because of Adam had the ability to understand, the ability to speak and the ability to meditate. But let me tell you something. My Jack Russell out here doesn't have the ability to understand. You can try and explain how the rules of, 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 of uh, um, you, you can try and explain the rules of tennis to the Jack Russell. Let me tell you something, he understands nothing. And he cannot speak. And he cannot go after you've explained to him now and meditate in depth on what you've just communicated to him. Because he's an animal. He's not in the very image of God. Man is in the image of God. The image of God means to function like God. Man still functions like God. By having the ability to understand, the ability to speak, and the ability to meditate and ponder upon something. So God made man from that. Okay, from the dust of the earth. So your life consists out of what you understand, what you meditate upon, and what you speak. That's what your life consists out of. And any person, his life consists out of that. Okay, that's how God made man. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The word nostril um, is the Hebrew word af. It means, it's, it's two Hebrew uh, uh, characters there. It is um, alef pei. Aleph speaks of the sacrifice of the leader. Pay means to speak. So what it literally is, is the nostril is the pathway through which God breathed into man so that he could live. And the pathway of you having life is acknowledgement of the sacrifice. Hallelujah. So, here God came. He formed man. Now we take, we're looking at New Testament stuff here now. Just a little bit of typology. He formed man. How does he form you? He gives you the ability to meditate, speak, and uh, uh, um, understand. And then, he brings you the gospel. He preaches the gospel to you. And through your acknowledgement, that's, your, that's the nostril, through which you find your life, 
the pathway of life into you is your acknowledgement of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when you acknowledge that, through the acknowledgement, He breathed the breath of life. That word breath is, um, let me find it here, it's four, it's four Hebrew characters, mem, uh, uh, sorry, nun, mem, shin, hey. Nun speaks of life. Shin speaks of glory. Mem speaks of water and hey, grace. So, uh, uh, it means the life of the glorious spirit of grace. The life of the glorious spirit of grace. So, God formed man. Give him the ability to understand. The ability to meditate and to speak. And then, through that very ability, God gave him. He acknowledges the sacrifice. And when he acknowledges the sacrifice, through, his acknowledge, through him acknowledging what Jesus Christ has done, the life of the glorious Spirit of grace makes him alive. And that's how we live today. Amen. That's how God made man. And then he was in the image and the likeness of God. Now, you might say, what did man lose? What was the promise that God promised? The promise that He promised was that we will be righteous, not by our works, but through faith. And then, when we are righteous, what do we receive? We receive the promise. The promise of what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. The glorious, or the, the life of the glorious Spirit of grace that will enter us. The Bible says, and Paul preached, or, or Peter preached, and when they believed, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them. That's exactly what happened. There they were, normal people, having the ability in the very uh, 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 image of God, having the ability to understand, the ability to speak, the ability to meditate and ponder. And Peter preached to them, when they acknowledged the sacrifice, what happened? They received the Spirit of God's grace into them and they were born again. Made brand new. In the full image and the full likeness of God. Isn't it beautiful that we can already see that <laughs> in Genesis? Now, we can add a little bit to that. It says, and the Lord God. Oh, sorry, um, let me get verse 7. And the Lord God. The word Lord, Lord there is Jehovah. yud hey vav hey, The hand of grace nailed by grace. Formed man. You just see the, God's grace of the cross. In that grace he formed man to be a person in his very image. And his very uh, 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 image saying, well, I can. I can understand. I can think. I can speak. And that's how God is. If you take the very spirit out of God, he will still have the ability to think, meditate and speak. But what will he think? What will he Meditate, what will he speak? That's what the, the Bible talks about, vain babblings. It talks about corrupted minds, you know, destitute of the truth. And that's what happened to Adam. Adam said, well, you know, in the beginning, let, let me not have the breath of life. Let me not live by the acknowledgement of the cross. Let me not live, and I'm just talking typology here into the New Testament. Let me not live through God and through His Spirit. Let me not have the life of the glorious Spirit of grace. But let me have the ability to think, to speak, and to understand what's right and wrong. And out of that, by thinking, speaking, and meditating on what is right and wrong, 
I will do, live right and be like God. Not acknowledging Christ. And he died. So he lost. What did man lose? He lost the glorious, the life of the glorious spirit of grace. Now you might say, Bertie, that cannot be. Now when God made, let me explain it again. Because there might be people differ from me. When God made man out of the dust, before he breathed the breath of life, was he in the form or the shape of God? Of course. So he was in the image of God. But, he only lived after the Spirit entered him. Then God said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what will happen? You will, you will die. So what gave man life? The life of the glorious Spirit of grace is what gave him life. So he lost the spirit of grace in partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the law. That's why you've still got two ministrations in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Hallelujah. So the life of the glorious spirit of grace comes through you, through the pathway God uses to put that inside you is your acknowledgement of the sacrifice of the leader. And then you become alive again in God. Amen. Full, clothed with a very likeness and the image of God. Now, did Adam lack anything after he's been created like that? Now, we've connected that to the New Testament and we know that we are created like that. Now, did Adam lack anything? He never lacked anything. So, when we are acknowledging the sacrifice of Christ and we are experiencing the very life of God that comes through the glorious spirit of grace inside our spirits and we are regenerated. Are we in need of anything? No. We lack nothing. So, where did the temptation come in with Adam now? It came in when another way was offered to him. Something else was offered to him. Where he could feel special outside of the simple acknowledgement of God. And finding all of his identity and his fullness just inside the glorious spirit of grace. Now we want to find something else. And when Satan's temptation was to say there's something outside of what God has given you for free. And that was the temptation. And I'm sure, listen to what happened to Eve. When she looked at the fruit, she saw that it was good for food. In other words, it can satisfy your hunger. And they partook. And what happened? They died. Now, New Testament church of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to come with all the love in my heart. I want to say to you, if you are in the gospel of grace, don't be tempted by Satan telling you there's something greater than this simple, glorious salvation of Jesus Christ. Because if you listen to that thing, the longer you look at it, you're going to find, you, 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 you look hungry. You, you become hungry. And you're not hungry. But you feel hungry, but you're not hungry. Let me give you a good example. 
we were, um, I visited a, a good friend of mine, well, we made friends not too long ago, and just a nice friendship down in Hansby. And then we were talking about, we weren't hungry, but we talked about biltong. Now, if you don't know what biltong is, I don't know what you call it in America, but it's dried meat in South Africa, that's so nice. And now you get these places that, man, it's just a big slice, you know, like that when they carve it. And you take that now, and you put it in a fire, and must, but must have a little bit of fat on it. You know, and you just fry it there in the fire, you know, until it becomes like almost a little bit dry, but with, a, with that fat dripping over it. And then you eat that. Man, that's nice. Now, even as I speak to, the, to you now, if you're a South African, you will start to become hungry. You weren't hungry, but as I share this, you become hungry. You develop a desire because you are listening to the wrong thing. In the same way it was with Adam and Eve. They weren't hungry. They had trees. They had the tree of life. They had everything that could satisfy all their hunger. But then there was a message that came that said outside of the simple gospel, the acknowledgement of the sacrifice that fulfills you, there's something greater that can satisfy you. And he was speaking about this wonderful fruit was speaking about something that looked glorious. And then you become hungry and it looks good for food. Good to satisfy you. And you'll partake. A satisfied man deceived into thinking he's hungry. And you'll partake of the law and you die. So my friends, um, I'm talking, and, and I hope you hear what I'm trying to say. I'm talking to people that understand the gospel of grace. Don't be deceived into something else. This is the only gospel. This is the only fullness. Now you might say, but Bertie, you know, I am still hungry. Now, we're going to look at two scriptures. Number one, the one in Luke. Uh, uh, sorry, John. How long have I been preaching now? 46. Another 20 minutes. Okay. Let's go quickly to... Um, John, sorry, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Listen to what Jesus says here. And now you can think of the typology. Now all the typology I preached is the truth because we can preach it out of the New Testament, out of many scriptures. So um, we don't make that our gospel out of types and shadows. We first saw the gospel then we see the type and the shadow there. And that's just a confirmation. So we're not taken up with the type and the shadow. We are taken up with the truth. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Right. It says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he, listen, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. So, what is the New Testament way of eating and drinking? It is to believe. If you believe on Him, you are drinking from Him. It says, you shall never thirst. Let's read it again. But I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that, he that comes to Jesus. In other words, Jesus is your sacrifice. That's the acknowledgement. That is the word nostril. The acknowledgement of the sacrifice. You come to Jesus. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Now this is just... Uh, 
a way of writing. I could, I could also say it this way. He that believes on Jesus, he that comes to Jesus and believes on Him will never hunger and never thirst. Okay. But I say unto you that you shall, uh, um, that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no way cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that all of which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. Now many people say the last day was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's not the last day. There's been many days after that. Today is a day. The last day is the end of the age of time where that does not exist anymore. So many people think the last day we're we all glorified now in physical bodies. We're gonna, that's, that's the last scripture I'm going to touch on. It says, now let's go to verse um, 46. Verse 47. Very, very, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So who's got everlasting life? He that believes on Jesus. Who does not have everlasting life? He that does not believe on Jesus. Who's got everlasting life available unto him? Everybody. Let me explain that. Who has got everlasting life? He that believes on Jesus. Who does not have everlasting life? He that rejects Jesus. To whom has God made everlasting life available freely without excluding anybody? Everybody. Hallelujah. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And, this, and the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat my flesh, the, the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, what did he say here? Let's link verse 35. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. So, what is drinking the blood? That is believing on Christ. What is eating his flesh? It's believing in Jesus. It says here that he shall not, if you believe in Jesus, you shall not be hungry and you shall not thirst after anything. You will be made complete through one sacrifice forevermore. Right. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up even if he dies at the last day. So here it clearly says that eternal life and immortality is not contained in the fact that you live immortal from now until Jesus comes. It says here that eternal life <laughs> and never to die when you eat of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ is to be raised in the last day or to be changed in the day that He returns. My flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in Him. <laughs> Hallelujah! Now, we want to get back to the typology thing here and these two scriptures just go so hand in hand. He says here, He that believes in me will never hunger and never thirst. So you're not going to hunger for a glory outpouring. You're not going to thirst for miracles. 
Now, I want to say this. We do have miracles in the ministry. When I go on a crusade, I don't thirst for miracles. No. If there's, if there's a, we have the miracle. What we have, we give. Be healed. I mean, we've already, we already have it. So I don't thirst after that. I don't thirst of, after the manifestation of the Spirit. No. I believe on Jesus. So I will never hunger and never thirst. Now that's not because I get a little bit hungry and I eat of Jesus and I feel better like the one guy explained. No. John chapter 4, Jesus said, You will ask of me and I will give you the living water and you will never thirst again and you will become a fountain. So it's not of, well, I'm thirsty. I don't thirst because Jesus is always available so that whenever I thirst, I drink. No, man, that is just a cop-out, not an understanding of the Scripture and ignorance. What it says is that you will be changed in your very being and you will never thirst for you will become that rivers of living water and out of you God will pour out a blessing that the earth cannot contain. Right, so we don't thirst for those things. We are flooded with it. So I don't walk with this desire, I must now, oh please God, beg God from heaven, you know, and, 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 and worship until he is so soothed that he can't wait anymore and then he pours out something. That is an absolute um, twisting and, and man, that is raping the gospel. That's, that's what that is. It's not, the, it, it's not what the gospel is really about. You might say, Batty, but you're very straightforward and radical. Yes, I don't want you to doubt what I say. I want you to know what I say. Bless God. Right. So what it says in, in, in typology is, when we look at, at Genesis, God formed man, giving him the ability to think, to speak, and to ponder or meditate. Or to understand, to understand, to speak and to meditate. And then, God placed something in front of him, which was the gospel, the sacrifice of Christ. When man acknowledges Jesus as his life, then the, glory, the life of the glorious Spirit of grace makes you alive. Now that, let, let's take it here. Here's Jesus. He says, if you believe on me, what does it say in Romans 10? If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. So, if you can confess and acknowledge the sacrifice that was made for you and the completeness that came in Christ, the life of the glorious Spirit of grace enters you and makes you brand new today or the day in which you believe that Amen and then you will never hunger ever again for you are created in completeness for his flesh is truly meat and his blood is truly drink and you that listen to this for my flesh is meat and Indeed, and my blood is drink. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Now, what more do you want than, than being 100% united with the eternal, immortal, ever-living, self-sustaining God that gives you everything and He dwells in you and you dwell in Him being unified with God according to the desire and the prayer of Jesus Christ in John 17 where He says, Father, let us be one with them and they one with us and let us indwell them. What more do you want? So, I want to submit to you today.
the hunger you, you, you you, you've got in your heart is one of two things. Number one, it's a, you're not believing the gospel. You're simply not believing the gospel. Number two, you're not understanding the gospel. You're not acknowledging the fullness of that sacrifice. You're acknowledging something else. 